Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the uh, college portion of our podcast here at Campus Canton. We are continuing our preseason kickoff series here. And so to assist with that, I have with me, as per usual, Colin. Oh, good job. Buddy. That was the weirdest intro ever. You got there. You got there. <laughs> And a very special guest here with us tonight, one of the founders of this little website called CampusDeCanton.com, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. You may have seen him at your local Sean McVay lookalike contest. Matthew Bruning here. Matt, uh, are you? Uh, you might be our first uh, repeat person on here uh, from last year. I mean, uh, I think you're the first person to to do both years here. So welcome. Thank you for gracing us with your presence two years in a row. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. I would love to say that I am the first repeat, but as much as I hate to give this to somebody, I'm actually pretty sure it was Felix because he just loves to crash your guys' shows drunk at times. I'm pretty sure that he's actually been on here twice before me. Well, he did, he, did he, he did the previous? cram session. Yeah. Yeah. You're oh, the first the repeat. repeat cram- That's not yeah. as fun as like just being a repeat guest on the show. I mean, you've you been know. a repeat guest on the show. No, nah, I've jumped on Cantonbound because you like to have me on, Colin. Yes, Austin sir. tries to avoid me at all costs. So that's a good point. I try to avoid that show at all costs. Um, so I think that's that that's part of it too. Um, so yeah, Matt, you're going to be answering a couple questions here uh, for us in a minute. I do want to ask you one question though before you do that. It sounds like Austin Novosad did his commitment tonight. He he was previously a Baylor commit. Said he was going to make a final decision here this week, this evening. Uh, he stuck with Baylor. I know you have been very high on Novosad, a quarterback in the 2023 uh, recruiting class, uh, was an Elite 11 finalist. Uh, you saw him at his Elite 11 regional. Uh, he batted his little eyes at you. You fell in love. Oh, it was ba- more than just the eyes. But <laughs> Baylor, a good spot for him? Are you happy with this decision? What were the other options? Texas A&M, Ohio State. Uh, I think that was it, right? Yeah, there was a Notre Dame. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame was actually went, was really making a big push here the past uh, couple of weeks. I think they've had him on campus twice now in the past couple of weeks trying to get him. I guess Marcus Freeman and, and Reese have been reaching out to him a lot. But yeah, I think Baylor's a good fit for him. I really think he's a good fit for that offense. You know, it's obviously going to be interesting with Blake Shapin, who just came off, I believe, his redshirt freshman season. So, I mean, he's got multiple years of eligibility left. We as we've learned, really don't want our quarterbacks to sit for multiple years. But I do think Novosad's better than him, so probably sits one year and then takes over after that. But I think he'll be a good fit for them, you know, typical pocket passer. You know, would I have liked him to go to Notre Dame with possibly what, what Reese can do? Maybe, but I think he was running into the same thing there with, with Buchner having possibly three years left of eligibility, and you got C.J. Carr on the way. I don't necessarily think is as good as Novosad, but I think Baylor's a, Baylor's a great fit. Gets to stay home, gets to go with an offense. He's already recruiting guys around him. Uh, had a big thing this weekend, a big camp at Baylor this past weekend, a bunch of wide receivers that he's trying to get to come with him uh, to Baylor. So I like the fit. Happy for him. I'm, I'm excited to see him in a couple of years be the starter for the Baylor Bears. Michael, catch a game in person. Who knows? We'll see. Do you want to paint your chest? Uh, absolutely. With his yeah. number. I don't know what number he's going to wear, but Baylor Bear on front, number on back. Oh, you're going with the bear, not even just the B, not the B. Oh, you're no, going... you got to go with the bear. You got to okay. go with the bear. I don't know anybody artistic enough to actually do that. I'll pay for it. I don't care. You'll catch me in the front row. Well, we'll be making <laughs> bank at C2C by that point, right? I'll just write it <laughs> off for, you know, write it off for a website thing or scouting. Our so, HR uh, department will be in contact. If you're paying for it, then why not just get a tattoo? Oh, oh. 
I'm really show your support. Interesting Matt. tattoo bets. Yeah, maybe I will. Big. Maybe I'll you know, real big. real big. Has it been that bad? I got the dolphin one. What's the other one I've made? I don't think it's bad. I'm not like Chris Moxie out here making like eight million tattoo bets on players who could possibly end up getting drafted in the first round. Chris is going to be covered. He's going to look like the guy. Doesn't the the one like the bad guy from 300? Like, isn't he just like covered in tattoos? Yeah, yeah. It's nothing but head to toe tattoos. Yeah. That's what Chris is going to look like after this season. I think. I hope so. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I thought you were going to go like some kind of like biker gang or the or MGK. Or... Yeah, like uh, MGK. Yeah, MGK. I'm just saying there's a lot of other people who are like covered head to toe in tattoos. He's, he's pop for people that like pop. He's punk for people that like punk. Casual. <laughs> I don't office think Chris fits in either him. one of those categories either. So. <laughs> All right, Matt. I think uh, we've stalled enough here. Um, gave you some time to think about it. Let's let's hit you with this cramp session. Uh, three questions for anybody that hasn't uh, been listening to the other episodes here, these conference previews. Um, one player that's going to help their stock the most this year. One player that is going to hurt their stock the most this year. And then a hot take, the spiciest take you can give us. Uh, I doubt you can top last year's take, which we'll talk about when we get there. So I'm pretty sure I was three for three last year on all three of them. And I only say that because we can't remember at all what my stock up stock down was. So I'm going to say I was a hundred percent there Count and the hot take, <laughs> hot take. I don't know if I, I actually specified a year. So technically we can't say that it was a loss until he actually leaves college. So I'm going to go. Who's the, go back. And who's the lawyer on this? That's one? true. I will go back and find that episode at some point. And I'll listen to it and say, if I don't remember if I said this year, if I just said that person will win a high school. So technically I have his entire career, but anyways, well, stock up. Go ahead. No, I say you, you you said he will win the Heisman. I think the Im- implication there is uh, no implication. If I didn't say about it. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school. But if I didn't say this year, I feel like that kind of gives me multiple years. But anyways, anyways, it's the Bruning system. The yeah, that works for me. <laughs> works for me. Um, my stock up is going to be EJ Smith, and I talked a little bit about him on. If you guys are a subscriber to the channel, we do uh, an hour ranking summit last week for the running backs. We did our plantar flags uh, and my running back was EJ Smith. And I talked about, I, just, I think he's a really smooth and, and bursty runner with really good hands. And I know he'll be playing in a bad offense, but I think it's going to be centered around him. Obviously last year, Stanford was really bad. They were below 50% in offensive success rate and rushing in neutral situations. But if you go look at David Shaw's career, Every year after that, he's almost close to 60% rushing in neutral and early downs, and he also has close to a 60% success rate. Lowest he gets is 55 outside of 2021 and 2019. I think that this offense can bounce back a little bit. We were seeing a lot of buzz for Tanner McKee being a really good quarterback. I'm not necessarily on that train, but I just don't think that Stanford's offense is going to be like one of the worst offenses in all of college football like it was last year. I think they take some step forward, and I think EJ Smith can benefit from that being really the main back in that backfield. Be a three-down guy. like He's not going to take many 60-yard runs to the house. He doesn't have that elite breakaway speed like his father did. But I, I do think he's bursty enough to make some get plays, get into the second level. And again, those hands, uh, I think getting some receiving game is going to boost him up a little bit as well. I think he can break a thousand yard rushing, maybe a couple hundred yards receiving, and then work himself into possible day two draft capital. And I hate to be Colin Decker here, but like everybody gets day two draft capital. But I do think if Except he has Sean a, <laughs> I do think if he has that kind of season at Stanford, 
and his name, which we've seen, that does matter. We just saw James Cook get drafted, and I, I guarantee you it's because his last name was Cook. Because now everybody says he looks like Dalvin. He looks nothing like Dalvin. So with his name, Cache, and that possible production, I really think he can jump up and get that day two draft capital. So I'm, I'm all in on EJ Smith this year. I like that call. I like EJ Smith a lot, too. Uh, I think even just beyond the name, his skill set is going to be versatile enough that teams are going to like that his skill set, his size, it's all very solid. He checks a lot of boxes there. So I could definitely see him having a path to day two draft capital. I mean, you know, who doesn't? What's my path path? to day two draft capital, Colin? You got to get in a time machine, go back (laughs) eight years, 10 years, maybe. And just switch sports. Fair. But I could have been a lot meaner. Thank you. You have you, you have the size. You could be a receiver. You're what six two? Yeah, six two ish. Six two ish. Okay. Yeah, you could be an outside outside receiver. Would that make you I'm a I- horse back, Colin? Yeah, I'm ideal running back size. Ideal running back size. Five ten, two fifteen. Oh, checking say, box. I thought you, were, I thought you said two fifty. No, two, calm down there, Ramon. Randy Randy Jacobs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that big boy move. Yeah, no, I I got the running back size. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> sorry. I, I don't know who's going on the other uh, on the other side. There, who's one? Uh, who's one player who's going to hurt themselves the most this I, year? I'm gonna go a little hot takey here with this as well. I think Anthony Richardson, he, he's getting propped up as this guy who mostly in the draft community, I know not necessarily us here at C2C are talking about him being a first round draft pick. I think we've all kind of narrated the way he can get there, but we've also talked about like, it's a, it's definitely a projection. He's got a lot that he needs to prove on passing. I understand he's really only started like two games and hasn't played much. I'm not going to take him throwing against air, throwing a 60-yard bomb as all of a sudden he's the most accurate passer in, in all of college football. That's great that he can do that, but I've also seen other players do stuff on air. doesn't make them, any, doesn't make them good at all. Starts off, as Austin's talked about uh, recently, I believe on Debbie Debate, they start off with Utah, which is one of the better defenses in all of college football. I think he can struggle there. Then gets Kentucky the next week. Now, granted, it's at Florida, but still – very tough game for them. I think Kentucky's got a pretty good defense as well. I think that he could struggle there. Tennessee is another team I think could be a really good team. Then he gets a nice little break here. He gets Eastern Washington, Missouri. LSU I think could be a game that he could win. Then he gets Georgia and Texas A&M, two other really good defenses. I think he's in for a really tough year. I still think he'll probably be a CFF asset. I think he's going to be like top 15. And I think that's going to be buoyed by the rushing. I don't like any of those receiving options there. I don't think their running backs are necessarily that great. I think it's all going to come down to Anthony Richardson and it's nothing against him. I really do hope he succeeds, but I, he's not showing me anything that's that proves he can just take an entire team on his back and carry Florida to a really great season and improve his draft capital in doing so. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's kind of a boomer bust guy. You know, I, I really, and if you don't like to bet on that boom, how often we were talking to the slack today. I mean, how often Josh, Josh, Josh Allen's going to make how many of these guys a lot of money, really? That's just the unprecedented guy does it once. Who do you think would be more likely, Matt, based on where they are now, to be a first round draft pick next year? Will Levis or Anthony Richardson? Will Levis. And I mean, I, it's it's insane to say that I know because of the traits that Anthony Richardson has. But I actually said this last year 
And then I just kind of backed off it because everybody kept talking about there's no shot. And I was like, oh, I'm going to stop putting this out there in the ether because I like to be, you know, I don't like to be as hot. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, what about the off-field concerns with Will Levis? I mean, anybody who, uh, concerns? Yeah, anybody who eats a banana like that and puts mayo in coffee has off-field I, concerns. He's just an animal. That's just like know. some borderline psychopath stuff like those are some big red flags any issue with that whatsoever good for him like i i if that's what he wants to do i don't eat bananas and i'm not definitely not going to eat them with the what what do you call that i don't know i wanted the to peel. call it the peel. the peel i was gonna call it the wrapper i don't know i don't eat bananas don't you know. don't even i don't we just had this discussion on debbie debate i don't i eat like apples that's it and oranges but i'm allergic so like my lips blow up really big if i eat too many of them Oranges aren't even good, and that's the one that you're willing to sacrifice, like your apples. your allergy. Like apples. Oh, apples! You're allergic to. Okay. I love apples. I'll eat apples all day long. I just, you know, not not really a big fan of salads or bananas, and, and I don't really care about the mayo thing. I don't eat mayo either, but I don't care if you want to put it in your coffee, whatever. I, I don't care. But I I think he's got the the difference with Levis is he's showing a better completion percentage, and he's actually shown it on the field with his arm passing downfield. I understand a lot of that was to Wandale, and you can make the argument that Wandale helped make Will Levis, but Jordan Addison helped make Kenny Pickett do was a top-20 pick. Like, And now all the talk is he can't beat out Mason Rudolph as the second quarterback on the Steelers team. Like, no, 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 no. He's already running with the twos. Okay, well, well congratulations <laughs> for one day. We'll see if that sticks. I, I don't. Okay, do we really want to? You're in a glass house. You really want to throw stones about our our quarterbacks <laughs> at preseason camp right now? Is that really the route we want to go? For the Browns, like I don't know. Give us a couple of weeks. It could be killing it. Anyway, well, that was probably a bad choice of words. Uh, I uh, no, I, I I think that Will Levis has just got the traits. I mean, I, I talked about this before with you guys. I don't know how much I've actually publicly said this. There's someone that I trust that has said that they talked to scouts that had Will Levis as a second-round grade last year. Now, if he had a second-round grade last year with what he did, I honestly think if he comes out and does that or a little bit better, what wouldn't jump him up into the first round? I mean, we're talking about a guy like Tyler Van Dyke going in the first round. Nothing against Van Dyke. I do think he, overall he's a better quarterback, but he doesn't have the traits that Will Levis has that if a – and I'm not saying it happens, but if a Brian Dayball into the New York Giants are able to get Will Levis into their room and then possibly do for him what they did for Josh Allen, I do think that he could hit and succeed. So I just think there's a better chance of him. The ceiling's higher with Richardson, but I think like the floor and what you have to do with Will Levis is easier to see, I guess, if that makes sense. You heard it here first. Uh, Will Levis, the next Josh Allen. Um, I mean, I don't know how you get a much hotter take than that, but hit us with your bold take here, Matt. All right. So my bold take, and I was really hoping to find my notes and now I can't find them, which is really embarrassing. There we go. I think that that's not it either. Son of a gun. It is it. Never mind. Sorry. Hope you can cut some of this stuff out, but you probably won't. We don't cut any of it. I think that Luther Burden is going to have the most receptions and receiving yard as a freshman when it comes to Missouri, and I think that he can break the single-season receiving yard for Missouri, which was set by Don Donario Alexander in 2009, was 1,781 yards. 1,781, 1, whatever. Do Sorry you think about that. Luther Burden's going to have 1,800 yards receiving this year? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. First of all, I did not it's know Donario Alexander had 1,700 yards as a yeah. – uh, Okay. Do you um, know who actually holds the record for most receiving yards by a freshman? Ever anywhere? Ever, yes, ever. 
Is it Moss? Rainy it's Moss? not. It would. It's a name that, like, when you hear it, you would re- realize it with the year that he had. But it's not a name that I think would pop to the top is of your it head. Jaden Wally. It is not Jaden Wally. No. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Michael Crabtree. Oh, okay. With Texas Tech, he had where was it? I just had it. Uh, ninety-seven. No, I don't know where it went. But his second year, he followed up with ninety-seven catches for eleven hundred sixty-five yards. Oh, nineteen hundred and sixty-two yards and twenty-two touchdowns as a freshman. Finished third in Heisman that year. And you think that Luther Burden's going to do that? No, no, no. I think he's going to break Denario Alexander's seventeen eighty-one. So he's going to be have one hundred eighty yards less. I mean, you're you're yeah, saying he's not? going to do that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay. You said you want a hot take. Luther sure, Burden, yeah, I think he's I, amazing. He's going to be the best player spicy. in that offense. Like, as much as I'd love Mookie Cooper, I think the dude's practically done for. So, well, yeah, why not? I think they're going to throw the ball. I think Missouri's going to be a better team this year. All in on Eli Drinkowitz and Sam Horn, who's going to be the starting quarterback. Got your Sam Horn shot out right there. He's going to throw the ball over the place of Luther Burton, baby. There's like right. eight hot takes wrapped into that. I don't know what to do here. Yeah, that's that's the hottest take we've had on here so far, I think. That's even hotter than Barnabas's Maryland will beat Ohio State if Ohio State has if Ohio State has a regular a regular season loss, it's coming to that's not that's the, that was the ultimate that's hedge. Just because Bar- Barnabas is living in a fantasy land. Let me just let me just back this up really quick and why I can tell why I think this is gonna happen. Louisiana Tech, Kansas State, Abilene Christian, Auburn, Georgia, obviously good defense, Florida, decent defense, but then Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, New Mexico State, and Arkansas. Missouri doesn't play any really good defenses this year. Like, I think they're in for a pretty good season. And Luther Burton's going to benefit. Okay. I wasn't right. expecting you to go there. Um, I, I thought there would be that. a lot more homerish of a pick. Um, so nah, I guess that's why never. I'm a little speechless right now. Do I Do I talk? Who, who am I even a homer of? I'm a homer of college football. That's what I love. Just love the sport, baby. Absolutely. I'm just, Married to the game. I'm just glad he didn't talk too much Ohio State because I don't want a one-star review on our – or a no-star review on our – No, it's, it was one-star for my good one? friend Wade Cornelius. Oh, so I guarantee okay. he still listens. So, hey, Wade, no Ohio State talk today. <laughs> there you have it. All right, Matt. Uh, thank you uh, for hopping on here with us. Uh, again, you can find Matt at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Uh, everything you do at Campus Canton, anything else floating around out there? OnlyFans? Anywhere else? Oh, I do have an OnlyFans, but it's okay. not by my name. So okay, if you, uh, if so you, we'll if you, never find Fantasy McVeigh, Judge Devro, man, oh. maybe check it out. <laughs> Cowboy hats and spurs, baby. And with that, Matt, get out of here. All right. <laughs> Before All right, we have Colin. more HR issues. All right, Colin. Um, we hung out this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. A good buddy of ours uh, turned thirty. Uh, had a big uh, house party for him. Um, the wives and girlfriends of the guys did the old, uh, TikTok, uh, prank where they have the guys show up in the same shirt. So that was fun. We all showed up yeah. in the same, uh, the same, the same, uh, short sleeve button down. Yeah. We were matching. It was very mm-hmm. cute. Gentlemen, just, just to throw this out there for you. So you can be real sharp about all this kind of stuff. And I guarantee you. If your wife tries hard enough to make you wear a shirt, you will do it because I do not fall for things like that. My wife told me I had to wear this shirt. I complained for days. I was like, why are you making me wear this shirt? And then I still did it and showed up and looked like an ass. So no, no matter how much you question it, no, it's if, if they want to get you on this, 
they are going to get you on this. So don't feel bad when it happens. And you ladies, the, don't abuse that power. Don't yeah. abuse that power. You know the worst part of this? I you saw the worst. I well, I mean that's that's debatable, but I saw the the text. So she was driving, uh, and I was navigating. I don't remember where exactly we were going, and I saw the text come in in that all girls group text saying, "Have you seen that TikTok trend where guys wear the same shirt?" And I knew that it wasn't a, a group text that I should be reading. There was something else that was going to be going on. So I told her about it. And then we, I put the phone up on like the dashboard holder thing instead, um, instead of me holding it. So I knew this was happening and totally forgot about it. We're stupid. Yeah. That's, just, that's the I moral knew, of the story. We're stupid. I knew this was happening. Totally forgot about it. We're stupid. Maybe call in a little more so than others, but we're yeah. all we're all just stupid. Yeah. Um, so that's what we did this weekend. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, you left early. Mm -hmm. um, I did not feel good Sunday. So um, that was word on the street. There's there were a couple other people who may have been in that boat as well. I was not the deadest. And that's yeah. what I'm most proud about. I uh, one, um, yeah, one more, I did not drive home. My one, my one more piece of housekeeping did. here, Colin. Um, what did you cook for dinner tonight? We haven't done this in a few weeks. Oh, uh, well, thank you for asking. Uh, tonight was a grilling type of a night. Mm. It was a lovely day outside. Uh, it rained yesterday, so it kind of broke the heat. Sunny. Um, so I grilled up some burgers, uh, some grilled corn on the cob, and away we went. You grilled the uh, corn on the cob? Mm -hmm. Do you grill it with the this, the stuff on? We can't have this conversation off here. I'd, no. I've heard more people talking about this recently, and we always just boil corn. So. Uh, no, I don't grill it with like the shuck on. Mm -hmm. And, and that stuff, um, I will shuck it, take the silk off, and then I'll wrap it in. I'll put butter down on tin foil and wrap it in tin foil. Okay. Well, there's a there's Colin's cooking tip of the night, folks. If you're trying to cook uh, a nice ear of corn, mm -hmm. um, so we will we will leave you guys Takes with that. 15, 20 minutes ish. Okay. So yeah, not too bad. Hmm. To give it a try. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk some Mountain West tonight here, Colin. Um, I forgot this was like I I just forgot about the Mountain West when I was like going through them in my head a couple of days ago, and I was like, <laughs> oh man, we get to talk about like the Pac-12. I'm pretty sure, and, and I was like, ah, Mountain West, nope. but it's a pretty good conference. There's there's some decent teams to talk about here, and and some fun. Like this is one of the better G5s, so you know we can kind of talk some some Debbie stuff here too, which is nice compared to the MAC where there was um, not a lot of legitimate. Uh, NFL upside, contrary to uh, Colin's argument that apparently, like Lou Nichols, maybe can go day two, but Sean Tucker has no chance. Um, That's not what I said at all. Basically, um, so go everyone, go back and listen to the show and tell us. Uh, I said Kenny McIntosh. That was on the RB Summit. Uh, okay, I'm getting my shows mixed up. You sorry. are. You're on too many shows. I am. I am. I'm going to retire. Um. Air Force, Colin, is the first one here in the conference. And honestly, probably the team I want to talk about least. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like maybe UNLV <laughs> and maybe Nevada. But I mean, I, I really Air, Air Force. I mean, it's a surface academy. They're going to run the, the, the piss out of the ball. They're really not going to pass it at all. Hazik Daniels, I believe, had under 100 yards passing per game last year. Um, their quarterback, he, he's strictly a rushing threat. Um, they had a ton of rushers contribute last year, like six or seven guys like had like legitimate yardage, but really the only guy that was 
completely fantasy relevant, I want to say, is probably Brad Roberts, uh, who was their leading rusher last year. Uh, ran for 1,300-ish yards. Um, a pretty decent season there. It's a rumor that he's injured, and I think it's tough to project another big year for him. Like, he was just insanely efficient. I mean, are, are you buying Brad Roberts? Do you have him anywhere? He's a guy that I just kind of, for one reason or another, always end up skipping over. Yep, same here. I don't have him anywhere. I'm not really all that interested in him. He's a guy that I uh, throw in, like, my cue when I'm drafting and just, like you said, just skip right over him. I mean, he's up at the top there, so it's not hard to skip over him. But I'm not really missing him because, yeah, I don't think we're going to see the same year that we did from him last year. Um, Like you said, just insanely efficient. They're going to run the ball, uh, but they're going to spread it out quarterbacks as Daniels is going to get a lot of carries they're back up DeAndre Hughes um, he's back as well so yeah I'm not really all that interested in him I mean I'll take him if it gets late enough but I haven't really been in that position yet yeah um, it's just kind of an odd like I I think he'll still have a decent year assuming that he's healthy um, but but is it you know another uh, huge season like it was last year uh, debatable. And I, I, I don't even think even in super deep leagues, I'm really going after some of the receivers. I know some will hype um, uh, Micah Davis a, a little bit, but uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of any of these guys. But let's talk Boise State, which I think is going to be a much uh, more intriguing offense to cover here. Uh, a couple of different players that we like. They let, Let's start with a wide receiver for them because their big name um, last year was Khalil Shakir, uh, obviously drafted by the Bills. He is now uh, in the NFL and, and has looked by most accounts pretty good uh, through offseason here for them. Stefan Cobbs is the guy that's supposed to replace him. And Cobbs, when he was healthy last year, was almost like a 1B to, to Shakir's 1A. He was really good. He just always kind of gets these nagging injuries, you know, a little hammy tweak here, a rolled ankle there. Um, so if he's healthy, though, this year, do you think we can get a Shakir-esque type season out of him? And Shakir was, you know, a, a high fantasy producer for a couple of years there at Boise. Yeah, I absolutely think there's a possible, like a possibility that if he stays healthy, we could see uh, a Khalil Shakir type of a season. And I mean, Khalil Shakir on a points per game basis last year was a top 25 wide receiver. So, you know, he was very solid. Um, so that's a guy that you want. And he's a guy that, and Cobbs is a guy that I have in, in a fair amount of places as well. Um, I picked him up a lot last year, but, you know, it, it kind of, it didn't work out really because, like you said, he kept getting banged up and stuff. But if he can stay healthy this year, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love this offense. I, I liked the hire of Tim Plow last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's a nice pickup. Is it Plow or Pluff? I don't know. It's Every time I've ever seen a word spelled P-L-O-U-G-H, it's Plow. But What about T-O-U-G-H? It's Tau. I hate you so much. Uh, <laughs> what about S H O U G H? Shall. Um, all right. Uh, um, quarterback. I'm not that interested in Hank Bachmeyer. I've heard his name kind of tossed around because he does have some tools. You know, he's 
he's he's not an amazing athlete and he's not doesn't have an amazing arm but it's better than what boise state quarterbacks have had in the past 10 to 15 years like they usually have this like little game manager guy that has a pop gun arm they can't really push the ball that effectively downfield but he's really smart knows the offense knows where he's going with the ball voila they win bachmeyer is a little toolsier but he hasn't put it all together there were even points last off season where it was rumored that he might lose this job um to sears uh what's his name matt jack Jack sears who came in from usc and now isn't even on the team anymore um he's gonna be their guy i mean there's really no one behind him pushing him but i do think that he he doesn't improve this offense really at all like he's just kind of there and so like i i i don't i think he's probably not rosterable in a 12 team 45 man league personally no and it's a shame because after his freshman year you know started as a true freshman he looked solid uh hank bachmar is a guy that i had some hope for as a potential debbie asset there and it just really has not panned out for him that way but yeah he's absolutely a He's a solid quarterback, a solid enough quarterback where he can sustain some weapons on that offense. Like he can sustain a good wide receiver, a good wide receiver and a solid other wide receiver. You know, like he he can spread the ball around. He can distribute it on well enough. Um, but he's not anybody that I want in a standard 12 team league. No, I agree with you. He finished last year on a points per game basis as a QB 73 right behind Brock Purdy. Uh, just ahead of Braxton Burke, uh, Burmeester. So if that tells you the kind of company that you're looking at there. So not overly interested in him as a fantasy asset, unless it's a very deep league, but that doesn't mean he's going to hold Boise State back per se. Yeah, and I wish they had kind of a sexy uh, second wide receiver option there. I think that would be interesting to see um, how that offense runs. Um, Running back. George Halani, the 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 rankings for him are just so all over the map. You'll see some places that have him ranked, you know, like a top twenty ish type option for CFF, maybe a little lower than that. Uh, expecting kind of a bounce back to that freshman year where he looked really really good. Uh, some are expecting him to be kind of in a timeshare to be to be further down. I don't think anyone's expecting him to lose the job, at least not for game one. I. I don't really ever hear that argument, but he is going to get pushed this year uh, by true freshman Ashton Gentis, who uh, we love here on the show and at Campus to Can't. We, we, we've spoken to him. We, we've done an interview with him. We've, we, we've been very high on him throughout the process. A true freshman kid from Texas, uh, a little smaller, but uh, amazing pass catcher, caught like 60 balls last year in high school, which is absurd. Um, those two are going to be the guys. How long does Hulani hold his job? Is it all year? Do you think he loses it halfway through the year? Do you think he never really loses it, but it's a timeshare? What um, what 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 do you think about this running back situation? Um, Halani's had some issues staying healthy, uh, particularly you know last year um, he got banged up. So, you know, so that's another big question mark too. Like, can he stay healthy? If he does, I don't think he ever truly loses it. I think it is a timeshare between him and Genty, but I think. By mid-year, I could very easily see GNT being the 1A in the back in that backfield, you know, where Halani is 
used maybe a little bit more towards the goal line, especially given GNT's size. But GNT's used in the passing game. He's used between the 20s. He's used, um, you know, on third downs. So I could see GNT taking a sizable role by midseason. Uh, yeah, I, I I think so, too. I mean, I, I think at worst, he kind of pushes, um, you know, all season. And I think I definitely think there's a role there for him. Uh, I don't believe we have him ranked in our CFF guide at all, George Halani. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, um, I, I like triple check that to make sure. Um, I, I do not see him anywhere in there. So maybe I'll be corrected. And I know we have an updated version of it coming out. Uh, By the time you're listening to this. Yes. Probably. Tuesday morning. <laughs> some of those guys, some of these guys listen to it at I like know. 1130 at night when it drops. So um, um, and we yeah. thank you guys. Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, well, PJ is also in that group, so let's pump the brakes. Well, uh, everybody but PJ. <laughs> uh, PJ, who runs our mocks here at CanvasToCan.com. Um, CFF site, though, has in top 30, or at least uh, Joe does uh, of the two. Um, so an interesting dynamic as to how groups are kind of split on him. And I think it kind of depends on what you think of Ashton Jensi. Um, but regardless, that the running back in that offense, it's a pretty decent rule. I mean, Helani over the past couple of years, uh, in 14 games as a freshman, he got 26 balls. And last year in nine games, he caught 14. Like he, they, there are passes to be caught. There is not an offense where they just, they don't toss it to the running back at all. So I think that adds some value. If you think Helani keeps that job all year, then I think he's definitely worth a roster spot for you. I personally am skeptical. And so I have, I believe, zero George Helani. And conversely, I have a, a lot of Ashton Gentry just because I think Worst case scenario with him, you're probably getting at least two years, probably three, and maybe even four of just very, very strong CFF production. That's just totally ignoring, like, in the back. Like, I'm not even, I don't care about the NFL with him. Maybe it comes, maybe it doesn't, but I'll focus on on the production for now, um, especially because Boise has produced uh, NFL running back after NFL running back, really, for the most part. And we thought Halani was next in line. Uh, now, maybe not so much. Um, but that's that's basically Boise um, top to bottom. I don't think there's any other wide receiver, but I'll be monitoring to see if anybody steps up. Uh, and um, uh, the tight end position probably really not worth targeting here uh, either. Um, Colorado State. This is going to be a really fun team this year. And yeah. If you had said that at the end of last year, I think everyone would have laughed at you. But they purged the coaching staff. Steve Adazio has gone. They bring in Jay Norvell from Nevada. Uh, he of, um, you know, Carson Strong development fame, uh, you know, a prolific passing offense that really pushes the ball downfield at every opportunity. Uh, tons of wide receiver depth across the board. And guess what? He brought it all with him to Colorado State, including Strong's protege, Clay Millen. And I want to lead off by talking about Millen. Millen is a guy that, again, we've, we've, we were high on last year. We said, you know, stash this kid staying in that Norville offense, what he wants to do as a quarterback. He's, he's a bigger guy. He's more, he's mo more mobile than Carson strong. Uh, it's hard not to be um, <laughs> big arm, aggressive, looked really good during spring. Apparently um, I, I think he's in my top 30 quarterbacks now. And I, I, I kind of want to bump him higher, but I, I, I can't quite bring myself to do it at this point, but I think a big season is in store for him in a conference here that, that gets some high scoring games. And he has some weapons as we'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah, I, I I like Clay Millen a lot as well. I mean, he was your guy. You were the one who who brought him up for last year, um, very early in the season. And I did, you know, piggyback off of that one. But it was a good take. Uh, you know, he next guy up in an air raid system, 
He's got the skills that you want in an air raid quarterback. Uh, you know, he he got lucky that Jay Norvell left and brought him with him. You know, that's also a good sign for him to moving forward that he is very clearly the guy. This is not a competition and he's entering his sophomore year. So you're looking at three years of production. I mean, I don't necessarily think he's an NFL guy. I mean, he he might get drafted. Yourself. He, he might get drafted, um, but I don't think it's going to be particularly high. He'll probably just bounce around the league as a backup, but three years of nice production there. My only concern is what he would bring with his legs um, because Carson Strong, he was a good quarterback last year for fantasy. Like he was solid. Um, he finishes the QB 20, which very good. Um, but if Clay Millen can bring even a little bit more of his legs, you know, he can crack top 15, you get top 15 for three years. That's worth something. Yeah. I, I, that's pretty good value. Um, he has just a, a plethora of weapons here to throw to. I actually want to talk tight end before we talk wide receiver or, or the running back position. Um, tight end in, in that Nevada offense, the past couple of years was really, really, really produced, you know, Cole Turner, uh, his, his junior year, 2020, 49 catches, 605 yards and nine touchdowns in nine games. And then you followed that up with 62 catches for 677 yards and 10 touchdowns in 11 games. So big, big, big seasons, uh, out of him, uh, both the last two years. So we, we've kind of been pondering, you know, who is going to be that guy here at Colorado state early in the off season, everyone assumed it was going to be Gary Williams, who was kind of an incumbent. He's a little H back ish, but that was kind of the guy that everyone was targeting, as the spring went on, it sounded more and more like the staff likes Tanner Arkin. Tanner Arkin also just got named to preseason non-conference team. Like it sounds like the the writers that are familiar with this conference seem to think that it's probably going to be Tanner Arkin too. So at this point, is is it Arkin that we're targeting, and probably not Williams? And can Arkin, if it is him, can he have that production or or close to it that Turner did over the past couple of years? Yeah, I think. A big part of why Tanner Arkin is thought so highly of right now and by some of these writers, if he wins that job, is the production that Cole Turner had. Um, I think it's more on that than Tanner Arkin's abilities. You know, I mean, we'll see. He was trapped behind Trey McBride last year, who's a very good tight end. So we'll see what he can actually do uh, given the opportunities here. But I think that the use of Cole Turner and the heavy use of Cole Turner is more on Cole Turner and how good he is than the tight end position in this offense, particular tight air raid offenses. Don't typically use the tight end all that often. Now I do think Jane Orvell will have a role for Arkin. I think Arkin will be productive and will have some solid games, but if you're expecting Cole Turner production, I think you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of tough to to project that, but um, I, I do expect a pretty good season for him. We're in an auction draft right now. I just took him for what I think is a pretty decent price. I don't think he'll be in that top tier. I don't even know he'll ever crack the second tier of tight ends, but I do think he could be in the tight end 15 to 20 range. So I think if I'm in a league where maybe you start two tight ends, I, th- I think I'm pretty interested in him as a second guy because he's extremely cheap right now. People are still targeting, from what I can see, Gary Williams in drafts. Um, 
So I, I definitely think at current cost, uh, Arkin is a guy that I really, really like. Uh, their wide receiver group, Colin, um, pretty dang good as well. And again, a lot of these guys followed them over from Nevada. Um, the leading guy, I don't think we really know who the leading guy is going to be. And I want to, I, I, I think we can kind of workshop this as we're sitting here. Um, for instance, our CFF group seem, uh, predicts it's Tory Horton. I think a lot of other places do as well. Uh, but beyond Horton, who came over from Nevada, they have Melquan Stovall, who came over from Nevada and actually outproduced Tory Horton last year. And they have Dante Wright on the roster as well, who had really, really good freshman sophomore year there at Colorado State and then really disappointed last year. Now, maybe Wright gets relegated a little bit because this is a different staff who brought on all their own guys and it's kind of putting their own stamp on this roster. But the first question I want to ask you is Colin is, are we sleeping a little bit on Dante, Wright? Can he have another big season like he did again as a freshman and as a sophomore? Yeah, I think the community as a whole is, is sleeping on Dante, Wright A little bit there. I mean, he performed very well in Colorado State's offense in the past, and that wasn't a particularly prolific offense. And he is now going to a going to be in a prolific offense. My biggest concern, I think he and Stovall will play a similar role in this offense. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, Stovall, you said he produced very well last year, comes over from Nevada to Colorado State with this whole coaching staff, very familiar with the system. I think Dante Wright is very talented and he's probably a little bit more talented than Stovall, but is it enough to separate himself given Stovall's familiarity with everything? I don't know the answer to that. That's why I am on Torrey Horton as of these wide receivers. I think that's the most projectable role. I, I want, I, I I'm concerned about Wright versus Stovall. Wright's big problem is that he struggled to score touchdowns and Colorado state as a whole has struggled to score touchdowns. So that's not necessarily, you know, I'm not certain that's a him problem, but I mean, as a, as a true freshman, 2019, 57 catches, 805 yards, four touchdowns. Sophomore year, it was COVID. They only played three or four games. He played three, 20 catches in three games, 315 yards, no touchdowns. And then last year on 44 catches, he only had three touchdowns. Like th this guy has not been a prolific, prolific scorer, which I think is is worrisome, uh, especially when you have Clay Millen, who again I think will will score some reds at, like rushing touchdowns. I think he'll get a handful of them this year because he's just mobile enough to to run some different stuff with him. I think Horton uh, uh, will score quite a few touchdowns. I think the tight ends will probably split uh, a, a decent chunk, and then you've got to to fight you know with Stovall, with Ty McCulloch, with some of these other guys. Um, so I, I, if he can increase his touchdown total, you know, six, seven, eight, I think he can have a decent year this year. I think he, he, he can outproduce a couple of these other guys, but I do think that the lack of tight end or lack of touchdowns is a problem. And I'm, I'm wondering if it was just because of the offense was so bad or because that's just not really his game. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's just DJ Moore, but in college and we just were like, can he actually score touchdowns? I don't know. We still don't know about DJ Moore. We still don't know about Dante Wright. It's perplexing stuff sometimes. Um, we just talked about Horton and Stovall. Colin, do you have any other comments on them? I prefer Stovall, personally. I've actually been scooping up a ton of Stovall. He's I, cheaper. He's cheaper, and he had a really nice spring, and he had a really good spring game with Millen. Like I, I definitely think that he's a guy to watch out for, and I think he could 
be the main guy this year. And the main guy for them the past couple of years is like in that, that offense has had, you know, 80 plus catches, um, you know, close to a thousand yards. I mean, that's Romeo dubs, Elijah cooks when he was healthy, like uh, very, very good numbers for fantasy. Yeah. I, I like Stovall a lot too. I mean, I, I think he's, uh, especially considering he's cheaper than Horton. Typically, I think he's a good, really nice value. He's a guy that I have a lot of as well. Uh, like I said, my concern is just Stovall, versus right and how that role is going to split out and who's going to play what role. I think Tory Horton is more projectable. He's pretty far and away the best outside guy that they have there. And the offense has had success on the outside there. Dubes, um, outside guy. Um, you know, so I, I think that's why I tr- tend to lean more towards Horton, but Horton is a little bit more expensive. So you know, I, I get the, the Stovall love too. And I like Stovall a lot. Yeah. Stovall's my guy. I'm just, I'm not sure Horton's a true wide receiver one from what I've watched of him. Um, and that's entirely fair too. I mean, yeah. we haven't seen that from him. Yeah. Um, the last guy I want to talk about here real quick, Colin is kind of a sleeper guy that uh, Ethan Sauer uh, uh, turned me on to one of our guys here at Camps to Canton, uh, a DFS specialist uh, and, and does some CFF stuff as well. Vivens is projected to be the starting running back here. It's probably not going to be David Bailey, who was the starter last year. Different offense, like just totally different requirements for for the running back. Um, Vivens is an interesting guy. So he came into college as a slot receiver. Um, And then they moved him to running back uh, during 2020, during the spring. uh, And he uh, dabbled kind of as a running back. Um, He had for like what this offense is, he, he had a decent year last year. 90 carries, 324 yards. Um, like not efficient, but just this whole, there's a, the offense was not good. Like they, they didn't run the ball well. They didn't pass the ball well. They didn't really do anything well. Uh, he also had 10 catches. Like he's a threadish kind of guy. I'm wondering how many receptions he can get on the year. Like if they use him as kind of that dual type guy, I think he's definitely a sleeper um, to be a, um, depending on the matchup, kind of a guy, maybe you punch it in your flex. I, I've scooped like him. Um, uh, Parson, uh, from Hawaii and, and Dumas are, are three guys that I've kind of been like at the end of drafts, like rotating who I select. I think they all have a decent chance to, um, kind of surprise a little bit for fantasy purposes this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Actually, I like, I've been going Vivens and Dumas. I haven't really taken Parson much, but, um, yeah, I like both. I like Vivens. I think that there's not really a clear lead back in this system here. David Bailey's the returning starter, but I don't think he really fits what they're looking for. I don't think he's going to do much in this offense. It's really between Vivens and Morrow, but I, I, it sounds like Vivens is going to be the guy there. And in an offense that plays this fast and, um, you know, scores as much as I think, as we think this offense is going to, there's a lot of value in Vivens. So yeah, I, I like Vivens as well. And he's 5'11", 200. Like, you think slot receiver, like, maybe he's a tiny guy. Like, he's a pretty stout guy. So, um, you know, I, it's not like I, I I don't know that he'll struggle to hold up to a workload either. So just just yeah. a guy that I've been, uh, you know, putting in my queue and and kind of taking with the last uh, pick or two in, in, in supplemental drafts or, or startups, depending on. Uh, I can't what, wait to overdraft him now. You're going to have to. Yeah. Um, Fresno State. Another team here that that's uh, seeing some change here this offseason. Uh, tough to lose Kalen DeBoer, their head coach, who brought over a system with him that has really um, 
that offense was not good before he got there. He really kind of took Hayner in, really kind of skyrocketed, skyrocketed his value, um, took some of the wide receivers and kind of uh, developed them as well. Uh, he's in Washington now, and we'll talk about him a little bit more when we do the uh, Pac-12. Uh, and they also lose Ronnie Rivers, which I think is a really, it, in in most cases, would be a really big loss. The, the all-time school leader, uh, in rushing yards, I believe, or total yardage. It's one of the two, um, but but just a, a, an extremely prolific player for them over the past few years. They do have a good replacement, though. Jordan Mims coming in. I uh, had a couple games last year where Rivers was banged up and, and Mims spotted him, and he was really effective in, in those games. He's a redshirt senior, only one year of eligibility left. That hurts his value in, in startups and, and such because he probably doesn't have NFL value. But he's a good player, and I think I could see a similarly high-scoring year at running back for Mims as we've had for Rivers over the past few years. So I, I like Mims. I just you only get one year, so you just it kind of going to depend a little bit on your team structure and what you got going on there. Yeah, it definitely depends on your team structure there because I, I like Mims as well, but the one year is a little bit concerning. I think this offense is going to play a little bit slower than what they did under DeBoer. Uh, So while I don't think Mims is going to be inefficient or or anything like that, I I just, I don't think the volume is going to be quite as high as it was with Rivers. So I I like Mims, but I have seen him pretty highly rated by some other people. So I don't have as much of him as I would like. People have been willing to take him a little bit higher than I have. Um, where would you want to take him in a startup hypothetically, Colin? Hypothetically, I'm, I'm looking at him probably in the round f- 15-ish range. Um, you know, that's, I, I typically, it, it depends on how the draft breaks down. I typically look to pivot to like CFF type production around like round 12-ish, 12 to 15, somewhere in that range. Um, so I would maybe take Mims towards you know, a round or two after that, you know, he's not the first of the CFF producers that I target, but he is up there. And just to give people an idea of how good he was last year, when he got the all the starter, the bulk of the touches due to Rivers' injuries against Nevada, uh, 23 carries 134 yards and a touchdown also had four catches for 20 yards and a touchdown the following week against San Diego state, 29 carries 186 yards, two more touchdowns and another catch for two yards. And then the final game of the year against UTEP, 29 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns, another five catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. So uh, very, very, very productive. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, he's in for a big year there. Uh, we mentioned Jake Hayner earlier, and this is his last year there on campus. Um, really kind of been one of the better players that, that Fresno's had in a long time. And certainly the best quarterback since uh, Carr was there. Um, I don't know about NFL upside. Felix will tell you he can go day two. I'm a little more skeptical because I think the, the arm is not great, but he does have a ton of moxie. He's extremely tough. He can make some of those tough kind of touch throws. He just really struggles to kind of hit tight windows on a consistent basis. But he's been a guy there that, that has meant a lot to Fresno State. Again, you're only getting one year out of him. And Hayner's actually dropped a decent amount of my rankings this year solely because, you know, last year we were getting two years. Now you only get one year. And again, if you don't think that he's that that guy that can go round two, round three, then it's 
it's a tough sell to me, but I think he will have another decent year there with a good amount of weapons around him and an offense that I think will still be good even without Kalen DeBoer there. Yeah, Hayner's fallen a little bit for me as well for the exact same reason. One, one year left. Two, the loss of DeBoer. Um, I, I think that matters. Now, Tedford is not bad. Tedford is is a solid coach. He'll be fine. This offense will be fine. It just does not have the ceiling that it did under DeBoer. I think they play a little bit slower. I think they run a little bit more. I mean, last year under DeBoer, they were 10th in neutral game pass script, you know, 23rd in plays per game. You know, those are tough marks to repeat for anybody, uh, even if they have the same head coach and offensive system. Um, switching that up, I expect those to be a little bit lower, um, you know, probably like a good 20 to, to 30 spots lower than where they were last year, which I think is going to matter for Hayner. So I don't quite see the same ceiling from Hayner last year in terms of fantasy production. And then I'm with you as well. I don't think Hayner is a day two guy. I think he is a mid day three guy probably. And that's mostly due to some of the hype that he got last year for that really gritty game against UCLA. Um, I think that kind of put him on the map a little bit in terms of, you know, some draft prospects and people are going to like that grit. His tools are solid, but not spectacular. So yeah, he'll get drafted, but I, I don't think he has an NFL future there either. Yeah, I th- he'll be a career backup. Like I think, I yeah. think there's an NFL future, but it, it's probably not as a starter, right. or a guy, not a fantasy relevant yes. NFL Correct. future. Correct. Um, Jalen Cropper is kind of the big name wide receiver here, but I think it's also worth mentioning Josh Kelly's name specifically because he has a couple of decent games last year. Cropper was a really interesting guy last year because he was really, really dependent on touchdowns. If he wasn't scoring. Uh, he kind of had a rough fantasy week and, and those touchdowns were kind of bunched, you know, against uh, was it UCLA that he had his big one where he had a bunch of touchdowns. I think it was, I think um, so. 85 catches last year, 899 yards, 11 touchdowns, uh, kind of a lower a dot guy. I thought there could be some, maybe some NFL potential here, but he just really hasn't improved. In fact, his a dots basically gone down every year he's been in college. Um, he, he's kind of versatile, you know, he, he 20 rushes as a freshman, 19 last year. Um, but he, he's a little undersized and, and quite frankly, just hasn't really ever improved. So you've got him. And again, you've got Kelly, Kelly at 52, seven seventy eight and three last year. Um, those were kind of their big weapons. So I, I think both of them are, are rosterable for sure. I'm just not like last year. I was saying maybe Cropper can have some NFL upside. Now I'm not so sure. So again, Cropper is a guy that has dropped a little bit in my rankings because of it. Yeah, I like Cropper's versatility, and I think that NFL teams are going to like that a little bit too, but I am a little bit lower on him than I was last year. I mean, that's just kind of the trend with this offense is I'm I'm a little lower on them entering this year than I was entering last year. Cropper, I think, is going to be fine. He's going to be solid. Um, I I do like Josh Kelly as well. I actually have him in a couple places because I picked him up last year off of waivers. Um, So... You know, I think they're both, they're a nice one-two punch, but the ceiling is just limited. And it should also be noted, I'm not on this hype train, um, but I know some people are. Nico Remigio come over, comes over from Cal this year, um, 38 catches, 238 yards, two touchdowns last year. Um, he'll be the third receiver. So uh, just something to monitor there. 
the one other thing I just want to mention real quick on Fresno is that I don't think we really know who the next in line at quarterback or running back is, which I think is interesting. And that's going to be something to watch. Um, I know, again, you know, no more Kalen DeBoer there, but I'm still kind of interested in seeing who the next guys are up and maybe trying to stash them at the end of the year. If I have a league that, you know, has more than, you know, one or two waiver periods, um, Jalen Henderson was a guy that I kind of like coming out of high school. Uh, yeah, this is his second year. Uh, he's probably the backup. Is he like the long-term solution though? I don't really know. Maybe this will be a portal uh, landing spot, which will, um, you know, make, make this argument kind of null and void. But um, I, that, that's a big storyline that I'm actually watching for this year there. Weirdly, like who, who are the backups? Because uh, a lot of these guys are going to be gone after this year. Yeah. Um, Jalen Henderson famously listed as a uh Defensive lineman last year by Fantrax. No, uh, that was uh, that was the running back. I could have swore that it was Henderson. Uh-uh. Uh, who was that freshman running back we liked that now is like a D three or something? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I knew it was somebody on knew it was somebody on Fresno. I could have swore it was Henderson, but yeah, I forget who it was. But yeah, he was like this uh, mid high three star running back that they had as a D lineman all year. Good times. Interesting. Interesting. Um, um, I played enough IDP leagues that I actually had him in a couple. Yeah, of he just showed up in the, the thing anyway, so it was, it was yeah. cool. Um, they did the same thing with um, with Connor Stockton this year. He was a, a DB, DB for a long time. I don't know how they they messed that one up. Um, Hawaii next up here. Um, another one was the, throw out the entire old staff. Uh, Hawaii that team just kind of gave up last year. Um, Timmy Chang coming in, formerly of Hawaii, so a guy that's familiar with the program. Uh, kind of gets what's going on. Whereas Todd Graham, like in public was like, yeah, I'm using this, this, this job as a stepping stone. Like, come on, man. There's like four things you can't say as a head coach. And that's like one of them, um, <laughs> especially in public. So, um, so Chang comes in Hawaii did lose a, a decent amount of talent here. You know, they had Calvin Turner, uh, day day Hunter and Dedrick Parson in the backfield. And Parson's the only one that remains Turner uh, graduated day day Hunter left for Liberty. Uh, at wide receiver, Nick Martiner was the big guy. He's transferred out. He's at Cincy now. We talked a little bit about him when we talked to Cincy uh, in the AAC episode. Um, it's going to be Braden, Sh- Sh- Brand- Braden Shager this year at quarterback. Chang background is air raid, basically. Yeah. He, he's he's played in those kind of offenses. He's coached uh, in uh, under these kinds of coaching staff. So it's probably safe to assume that they will be throwing the ball a decent amount. Shaker is a sneaky kind of like last round. I'm kind of thin at quarterback. Maybe I need one more guy. Maybe I'll, I'll kind of have him as my last guy um, to, to see what's going on. If the weapons were a little better, I'd probably be in, but I think the weapons are unknowns at this point. So uh, who's to say you're absolutely killing me on some of these late round guys. Um, Where, how many leagues do you have Shaker in? Two. Oh, okay. I don't have him in any. Oh, no, I, I have him in two. Like he's absolutely a guy that I'm, I'm targeting late, very late. Cause he's a sophomore eligibility wise. You're looking at three years of production from him in an air raid offense. Um, you know, Timmy Chang worked under Jay Norvell, the guy we were just hyping up about his air raid system. Um, you know, so yes, there, the weapons here are a little bit unknown. Um, you know, it seems like, Zion Bowen's probably going to be the guy who leads the room there, but um, Tamatoa Mokio Atimalala. I love you for for taking over that name too. <laughs> also known as TMA. Cool. I don't ever um, have to say it on the show. Thank you, Colin. Yeah. Um, 
he is a very intriguing name. Um, had a really nice spring. Um, so I'm very intrigued by him as well. But if, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be more system than talent. And I, I think the system is going to go well this year. Um, and then, you know, next year, I think it'll, it'll really take off. Um, so yeah, shake Shager's a guy that I've, I've been targeting late as well. So I appreciate you hyping him up. So now I have to take him even a little bit earlier. Are we calling? Um, You're not. The other guy there that I think is slightly interesting is Zion Bowens. And you, you just mentioned TMA. Those are the two receivers that if I'm looking to buy into this offense, uh, I'm looking at. Um, I, I think you know, if they pass the ball as much as we think they might, then then those two might have pretty good years here. Certainly uh, beat whatever ADP they have. It's pretty much non-existent. Uh, Dedrick Parsons is the only other name that I want to talk about. I kind of just said, you know, they lose uh, Calvin Turner. Uh, who's been very, very productive both as a receiver and as a rusher the past couple of years. Dede Hunter kind of looked like he would be the the guy to step in, and then Dede left too. Um, leaving behind just Parson. Um, Turner last year, 73 carries, 316 yards, eight touchdowns, and then he caught 73 passes as a running back, guys. Calvin Turner caught 73 passes last year. Caught 33 the year before that. Very, very prolific. Parson, maybe not quite the same level of receiver, but I still think there will be volume there for him. And he had 28 catches in his own right. I could see a 12 to 1300-ish total yard season for him with a, a ton of catches and you know 12 to 15 touchdowns. Like That is, that is certainly in the range of, of outcomes for Parson. He probably doesn't quite hit that high. He's free though in drafts. He's a guy that I love to to take late, um, and I I definitely recommend if you can can snag him this off season to do that. Yeah, he, he's another guy that I haven't really been taking him as much, um, but reports were glowing on him out of spring. Um, he is the last man standing in that backfield. I don't know exactly what the running game is going to look like in this one, but. Um, you know, he, he's definitely at least an intriguing option. He's a guy that I do watch list like every everywhere. Yeah. If they will commit to run the ball a little bit, I, th- I think he'll be um, pretty dang good there. Um, Nevada, Colin. No. Colorado State goes up. Nevada goes down. There is legitimately not a single player that I believe is worth rostering on this team. The only one that I think you could make an argument for, and I, I think it's a compelling argument, but not one that necessarily agree with, is Toa Tawa, uh, who's probably going to be their starting running back this year. A uh, decent pass catcher has gotten some volume over the past few years. But this team is just going to be very, very bad. No more Carson Strong. All the skill guys that are any good at all followed over to Colorado State. I mean, this is kind of, you know, you hear a lot about how the, the portal giveth. The portal taketh away here really, really hard. Yeah, this team is just a huge question mark at best. Uh, outside of Toa Tawa, um, you know, I, I he's pretty clearly, I think, going to be the focal point of this offense. You know, a running back on the focal point of an offense is interesting. Um, so he is another guy that, you know, I think is worth a shot in, in deeper leagues or the very end of your drafts just for some production. You only get one year of it, though. Um, but if it's a bad team, like we think it is going to be, you know, what is the game script going to look like for him? And he'll catch some passes too, which will help. But 
uh, he, he's not somebody that I have particularly high hopes for. You thought we had very little to talk about with this Nevada team until Atawa. New Mexico is next on the list here, and there is legitimately no one that you can make an argument for on this roster that should no. be on it, on your on any sort of C2C team ever. CFF, Devi, nothing. This team no. is – they averaged fewest points in the country last year and then somehow bring back the whole staff. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> so um, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess – we I've been watching a lot of uh, Better Call Saul lately. I thought, you know, New Mexico, let, let's get some stuff going here. But that's, Better Call Saul is really the only good thing going on in that state right now. Yeah. Yeah, not not particularly interested in anybody on this roster. Um, this is kind of like Middle Tennessee State where it got to my head. Like, I don't think I could have named anybody on this team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, I, I challenge anybody to really do that. Um, San Diego State. Somewhat intriguing team. New quarterback Braxton Burmeister comes in uh, from uh, uh, Virginia Tech. Um, I don't think he's super sexy. Can he even support one option in this offense? Like, I'm not 100% sure. If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Jesse Matthews, who had that big bowl game for them last year. But regardless, I don't think this passing offense will be particularly prolific. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, Braxton Burmeister from Virginia Tech was just okay when he was there. Um, did somehow manage to, you know, split some time with Hendon Hooker. So, for, you know, take that for what that's worth. But, yeah, not particularly interested in Burmeister. Jesse Matthews maybe a guy you throw on a watch list, but this is a run-the-ball team. Uh, it's going to play slow, so – not really anybody that I'm all that interested in in the passing game here. Greg Bell leaves as well, who was their their big running back last year. Um, Chance Bell probably the first guy up. It'll be interesting to see. I know that um, that some people are hyping up uh, what's his name, Lucky um, Sutton. Sutton. Uh, he, he's a freshman. There is maybe a guy that can can come in and compete for this job. Um, I actually don't think I have any Chance Bell because again, I'm just a little skeptical of this offense will actually produce anything that I would want to start week in, week out. I'd rather take some upside uh, elsewhere. Um, but but Sutton is definitely a guy where if I'm in a deeper league, maybe I stash and hope because a lot of the time the San Diego State offense does do pretty well running the ball. Just this year, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I think this team in general is probably going to take a step back um, from where they were last year. I mean, they finished 12-2. and two. Fantastic season for them. I don't know if I see them repeating that again this year. And the running game, I think, is going to be more of a committee this year. Like I said, Greg Bell's gone. You know, he was one of the few pieces that you could actually trust. Um, and Chance Bell, they bring in transfer Jordan Bird. Um, they brought in um, Keenan Christian too, right? Was that, was that uh, San Diego State that brought that brought him in? Oh snap! I totally forgot that they brought in Christian. Yeah. 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 So that's another... finally cut him this offseason. Great. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really I think this is just going to be a committee, you know, a, a multi back committee that's going to be frustrating. So mildly intrigued by Christian Christian, you could throw him on a watch list, mildly intrigued by Chance Bell, you could throw him on a watch list. But I'm not drafting anybody on this team. No, and I think people are hyping Christian a little bit. I really like to like he's he was a track guy. He's kind of like 
poor, poor, poor man's Devin Achain were like really good track guy at USC or good track guy at USC. He's like living underneath the bridge version ne- of yeah. uh, Chain. It, it never really translated the football field. And I finally, again, this offseason, I cut him pretty much everywhere I still had him. Um, and obviously, of course, then he had to go find the new team with the wide open backfield. Um, San Jose State up here next. Um, Siobhan Cordero is a guy that's kind of interesting coming over from that Hawaii team last year. Uh, very incestuous conference when it comes to transfers. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It is. It is. Um, our CFF team is pretty high on Cordero. A couple, a couple of the guys are, uh, I think he's an intriguing guy late. I don't like love, love him, but he's got some, some rushing threat. Uh, he had like three or 400 yards rushing at Hawaii last year. So I think that he adds a little bit with his legs. They don't play a particularly tough offense and he has, surprisingly very good receivers justin lockhart elijah cooks and isaiah hamilton is actually a really strong trio it might be the best trio outside of maybe fresno in the conference like i i don't feel that bad saying that it, it would compete with colorado state's top three i think i mean the funny thing is elijah cooks and um lockhart did compete yep. with colorado state's top two yep yeah so. if cooks can stay healthy that's been his big problem the last two years yeah, yeah, it's it's a strong trio at wide receiver there. Cordero is a good to com- you know competent to good quarterback, especially in terms of like CFF production. Um, you know, so this is a really intriguing team. I think this team is going to be better than they were last year. I mean, twenty twenty they had a really nice year. Last year down season five and seven, um, but I think this is a team that can get back to competing for the top of this league. Yeah, I I think they'll definitely be pretty decent this year. I mean, they only won five games last year, but I I definitely expect uh, improvement there. And a large part of it uh, is not actually going to be Cordero. It's going to be those receivers. I, I have a lot of Lockhart and taking him late a lot of places. Cooks, it's just so much risk for him, and he's been around forever. I believe this is his last year of eligibility. Um, so he's I, I like Lockhart and I like Hamilton a decent amount. I, I do. Um, I think they can both be startable options depending on the week. Uh, just be interesting to see exactly how much they throw the ball. Like I, they're not like a a total air raid type offense, but they they do sling it around a decent chunk. So, mm-hmm. I, it's intriguing. The wide receivers are all intriguing, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, my favorite piece of this offense is um, tight end Sam Olson. Um, hmm, okay. Tight end uh, last year, Derek Deese Jr. I was waiting for it. I was waiting I'm, for I'm it. more mature um, than that. He was, uh, he was tight end 11 last year in a points per game basis. Uh, you know, so there's definitely some production to go around there. Um, Sam Olson was actually tight end 20, uh, tight end 20 on a points per game basis last year. Now that was only through two games. You know, he got, he got banged up a little bit, but the tight end is involved in this offense. Uh, and so, and I think Sam Olson will be the next guy up. Shoney has been able to be productive in some limited work. So he's a guy that I'm snagging late, especially in teams where I punt tight end for a while. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really cheap source of production for your tight end room. And he's a so- he, sophomore, junior, and he's got like at least two years of eligibility left. You know, we talked earlier about how you think that the um, Cole Turner production was more Turner and less offense. Less offense. Until I see it, I, I think that that Deese was it's more of a the case of talent over or over what this system necessarily wants to do. But that could just be me. I don't know. Olsen's actually not a guy that's on my radar at all. Okay. 
Interesting. So, yeah. You, I mean, I, mean I, I definitely think that Deese is Deese's talent warranted a, a larger role in the offense. Um, but Sam Olson, limited work, very limited work, but was also pretty productive. So that's why I have some hope that Sam Olson can be a fantasy option at tight end, especially, like I said, if you punt tight end, if it's a two tight end league, um, I think he can be a, you know, top 20-ish tight end on the season, you know, top 24 for sure. Um, running just, back. You just have to pick your spots with him, I think. Yeah, and running back, I'm not taking any of these guys. Um, no. As far as I'm concerned, uh, they are 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 all irrelevant. Uh, UNLV, we mentioned them as a, a team that is pretty bad at the top of the show. Um, they're really bad, guys. Two wins last year. Um, it, the team is really, really bad. They just don't really have a lot of talent anywhere on this team. They did bring in Harrison Bailey this year, former um, four or five-star, depending on which service you want to talk about, quarterback uh, from Tennessee. There are conflicting reports that he's the, not the top guy on, on, on the depth chart, which would be really bad because the other two quarterbacks there, Doug Brumfield and Cameron Friel. Um, but it's really just kind of seems like a case of uh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, this is definitely a case of how the mighty have fallen. I mean, just Harrison Bailey definitely had his um, fans out there. You know, Harrison Bailey was the quarterback for Eric Gilbert in high school. I think that also played a part of a role in why he was so highly thought of. I mean, Gilbert made him look good. Um, I was never the biggest fan of Bailey. I think UNLV is his level, though. So if he can't get it done here at UNLV, like that was just a a bad uh, a bad miss on, on a lot of people's parts, including the recruiting services who had him as a five star. So I still think his talent will win out. I still think he will end up being the starter here for whatever that actually ends up being worth. Um, Ricky white comes in former high school teammate there at wide receiver. It's going to be him and Kyle Williams. Williams is a guy that has done very well in all of the advanced metrics over the past few years because the offense is just horrible but from like a market share standpoint. He's done well, not a guy that I'm really super interested in actually, to be honest, I just don't see, a ton of improvement in this offense. Bailey was just like not good at Tennessee the past couple of years. He just can't, if the offense isn't going according to plan, Harrison Bailey is basically useless. And UNLV feels like the kind of offense that probably isn't going to be running on script the whole game, if I had to guess. So I don't love this landing spot for him. Uh, I don't really love any of the guys there with him. Again, not, a, I, I think, if you if you're using the shower narrative to go for Bailey and White, go for it. But <laughs> I think there's a lot of risk there, and you might end up having just two absolute zeros on your roster. Yeah, I don't have anybody on this roster anywhere, nor am I interested in anybody on this roster anywhere. Um, you know, I do typically subscribe to like a kind of a min max with my roster, and there's nobody that provides you a max in any area here. So I'm out on this entire team. Um, Utah State, Colin, next up here on the list. Um, good team last year, really, really passed the ball well. Devin Tompkins obviously ended up being a kind of a surprise guy, finishes the a top five wide receiver um, last year. 
um, for fantasy purposes. Tompkins is gone. He's on to the NFL, but his quarterback does come back. Logan Bonner. He returns. Um, this is like his ninth year, I think. I I could have sworn he was out of eligibility last year, man. I I don't know how he's back, but they do have him. They have Levi Williams, who transferred in from Wyoming. Sounds like he's actually the third string guy on the roster. That's one of those transfers that just kind of makes you wonder what happened because there was no reason for for Williams to do that. Uh, and then Cooper Legas is the is the backup there, and we've actually got one or two guys in the CFF team um, who I'm not supposed to name that like Legas moving forward as a stash guy. Um, but some, in, some interesting guys at quarterback here, nonetheless. I think it'll be another prolific passing year for them. Uh, and Bonner's the beneficiary this year. And then Legas, if you're looking for the the uh, the guy to to take over for him. Yeah, I'm absolutely interested in Bonner. He goes very, very late. Um, but, you know, he was, he was solid last year. Um, you know, he's going to have some, especially once they get into Mountain West play, he's going to have some big weeks. Um, and then by proxy there, I'm definitely interested in, uh, Legas or Lega. Um, somebody was saying you don't pronounce the S at the end. I'm horrible with pronunciations anyway. So who am I to judge? But I'm, I'm definitely interested in Cooper Legas there. Um, because this is an air raid system. This is a team that's going to throw the ball all over the yard. They have under Blake Anderson. They did under last year. Blake Anderson was at Arkansas State. They threw the ball over the yard there. This team is just going to throw the ball a ton. So Legas is a guy that I'm not taking him now because you're probably going to drop. If you draft him now, unless you have resolve of steel like Matt Bruning, you are going to drop him part of the way through the year here. You know, he's the backup quarterback at Utah State. Probably not going to hang on to him. You're going to drop for whatever hot free agent comes up. But the end of the year, Looking forward to next year is where I'm going to be picking up Legas. Quarterback, wide receiver. I think there's some debate as to who ends up taking over the top spot here, and it, I think it's more likely than not this is a case where we don't have another wide receiver three this year, but maybe a couple of uh, you know white guys in the wide receiver 18 to 35 range or something like that. Um, Brian Cobbs and Justin McGriff are kind of the the two. Um, names uh thrown about there is the next guy up uh Cobbs transfers in from Maryland um and it's actually interesting because they also have um Xavier Williams who transferred in for from Bama who was like a hot name at the beginning of the offseason but it sounds like he hasn't done so well compared to some of these other guys even like Nine Eye Davis uh NYNY um <laughs> uh have apparently outperformed him so I think Cobbs McGriff are kind of the two guys I think that the the choice there is just take whichever one's cheaper um, and uh, just hope that that this offense supports uh, a couple different guys at, at the high level. Yeah, I think expecting the numbers that we saw last year from Devin Tompkins is probably not going to happen. Um, I, I do think I agree with you. This is more likely to see, you know, two guys in the wide receiver 18 range than one guy at wide receiver three. But one of the other things that it's, it's interesting about Blake Anderson is he doesn't really have a type at wide receiver. Like he will throw the ball to whoever the best receiver is there. Um, he had, when he was at Arkansas state, he had slot guys who led the team in um, was it merit. Is that the one who went to the dolphins for a little while? Kirk merit. I believe. So. Uh, yeah. 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 He was, so was Arkansas like, state. Yep. Yeah. So like Kirk merit, um, Jonathan Adams, jr. You know, there's just a wide range. Omar Bayless, there's a wide range of guys there and skill sets. He just kind of 
picks the best one and kind of just goes towards him. So it does sound like it's going to be Cobbs this year. Um, I was on Xavier Williams early in the offseason. How can you not be, you know, a, a guy transferring from Alabama into an offense that's this prolific? He, but yeah, he, you said reports out of spring. He just really has not stepped up. Uh, but the one guy I am keeping an eye on too, though, is um, Juco transfer Tyrell Vaughn. Uh, he's basically free. And if I can get a basically free part to this offense before we really see who's going to lead the room, I'm interested. If if McGriff and Cobbs are more expensive, I think I would probably agree with that. But those two themselves are just so cheap. Um, Depends on what what league you're in. I have seen them go mid twenties rounds. That's pretty cheap. Um, it is pretty cheap, yeah. But you know, Tyrell Vaughn's a guy that I can get in round forty. So, um, but yes, I, I do agree with you. The, nobody in this offense is um, cost prohibitive here. You know especially given the ceiling on to Wyoming here, Colin. Um, really the only guy on this roster, I think that's worth talking about is Titus Swen, who's going to take over there at running back for Xavier Valaday. Uh, Swen had a pretty solid year last season. Um, there are some concerns with Swen and that's why I'm slightly lower on him than I think some of my compatriots here at C2C. I just worry about game scripts. Basically. I don't think this Wyoming team is going to be very good. Um, they've had some issues with, uh, guys in the coaching staff. Um, so, so, so Swen, I think will have the problem where he'll just get game planned out of games basically, which is a bummer. Yeah, I agree. I, I, Swen is an interesting name and he's definitely somebody who's worth rostering, but I am lower on him than others as well. Um, you know, this team, they pass the ball or they, they run the ball to 68% neutral game script rate, which is really nice, but they are also 111th in plays per game, so they, they're slow. And they lose Isaiah Nayor on the outside. Isaiah Nayor was actually a wide receiver that teams had to, to worry about. You know, Teams couldn't just load the box last year to stop that running game for the most part. They had to respect Nayor on the outside. They don't have anybody like that this year. Um, so I, I just I think game script, this offense is going to be less efficient. It's a slow-paced offense. Um, it ca- really caps the ceiling on Swen. I think he'll be a solid producer all year, but I don't think he's anybody that I'm like, man, I really want to start Swen. No, uh, he ends up being just kind of being a guy at the end of a tier there for me. I, I usually can't pull the-, the the trigger. And like you said, they do lose Nayor. That's the only other note really for this team. Um, we talked about they already lost Williams. He's the third string guy at Utah State. That tells you like this offense was not talented last year, and they somehow found a way to get significantly less talented uh yeah. this year. Um Valaday, speaking of which, sounds like he might have the RB1 role at Arizona State. So um good player. Um, so that is the Mountain West call, unless you have any final notes on Wyoming for us or anybody else for that matter. Any other any other guys that we didn't get to talk about that you're looking at here? Nope. No other pearls of wisdom here. Never was. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Again, please uh, thank you to everybody who who listens to the podcast. If you guys could all rate and review the show, uh, it does help us out immensely. Uh, and check out uh, campuscanton.com, guys. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on over there. Uh, the season fires up in less than a month at this point. 
Um, we're prepping our you know, morning show, the ones we do every Saturday before the games. Uh, kind of gives there some start sits and prize picks and all that good stuff. Uh, talking about our night show already. Um, just all the in-season content that we will have uh, coming your guys' way. Um, and for those that have the CFF guide, again, just be on the lookout. We do have some updates for it, uh, some reactions to different news and things. Um, and that will be hitting your inboxes uh, within the next day. So um, check that out. Uh, it, it is a different, I mean, it's going to look basically the same, but there are some changes in it. Um, so just uh, be on the lookout for those guys. Uh, we will be back later this week with another conference preview. But until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.